It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Welcome to the show as Daniel Jones throws another interception here live on Monday night. Uh, it's uh, me, Matt Newts, at Nasty Newts on Twitter. And with me, as always, Josh Adkins at Dynasty Oasis. Uh, what's up, Josh? Not much. Uh, I was uh, kind of liking the performance we had gotten out of Jones up till this point, and who knows? There's still a half left in this game. Maybe we sound stupid at this point because he played brilliantly down the uh, the the back half. But uh, boy, that was a boneheaded pick. Well, it's always a great sign for a podcast when the very first thing I see as you hit record is uh, interception. So hopefully this podcast doesn't get picked off. But uh, <laughs> That being said, uh, how much money are you going to spend on Alfred Morris in your free agent bidding this week? Uh, everything I have left. <laughs> yeah, that, could, that's I, not real advice. Yeah, I was totally shocked when I saw that he was uh, playing ball. And I saw the 41 and I saw Morris and I was like, no, it can't be. But sure <laughs> enough, I, that's... I legitimately LOL'd when I saw that he was <laughs> activated off the practice squad today. It was a blast from the past, so... I mean, good for him, I guess. Yeah, that's that's absolutely terrific. And, uh, you know, maybe a little bit uh, uh, representative of the weekend because we kind of had some weird football this weekend, a lot of uh, uh, wind games, uh, kind of some ugly football. You know, these type of weekends are going to happen, and we talked about it a couple weeks ago. What sort of, you know, things uh, do you worry about in terms of snow and weather? Uh, and wind was the big one, and, and it, it played effect in this weekend's matchups. Certainly a few games you could definitely see uh, effect in the kicking game, and it, it wasn't necessarily as obvious in the passing games, but I think just based on some of the scores and some of the stuff we saw, I think it did play a bigger factor than we thought. Absolutely. Uh, why don't we dive right into the action? We've been running a little bit long, and we want to try to make sure we're keeping this under an hour so. Uh, Steelers at Ravens, this was kind of the expected game of the weekend, and it, it uh, really dis- didn't disappoint. Um, I think we should start here on the Pittsburgh side, Newts. Um, the three wide receivers once again prove um, to be a paradox. Juju has uh, the, the lead in catches but doesn't get into the end zone. Claypool bounces back from last week, has nine targets, catches a touchdown, um, and Deontay uh, sort of fades back into nothingness. What are your takeaways? We can't keep re-ranking these uh, Pittsburgh wide receivers every week. Um, and maybe this is a week where I don't feel like we have to change too much. But um, what did you see here? Right. And, yeah, I think it would be a fool's errand to just re-rank every week because um, we're just going to be overreactionary to what we just saw. Um, I think there's something to be said about, you know, who was Marlon Humphreys on all the game? I think he spent a lot of time on Deontay Johnson from what I noticed, and he's, you know, a true shutdown corner. So I think you're just going to kind of have to play matchups and and guess the game flow. Um, they use these guys in different ways. Uh, Juju, the possession guy, Deontay Johnson's kind of the X factor, and, and Claypool is, you know, kind of both things, I guess. I, he's the one that's still most interesting to me with the most upside, especially for Dynasty League. So I'm, I'm keeping Claypool one, Deontay Johnson. Uh, I, I, he might even be two for me still, but it, it's close between him and Juju, I guess, for me. I think th- this is where I, I think you're right. I think it's, it's uh, Claypool, Deontay, Juju. Here's, I think, maybe the distinction we need to make and sort of how I feel going forward. In difficult matchups, 
where they do have good perimeter corners, where they just are a good defense in general. Juju and what he does short and over the middle to help move the sticks is maybe where you're going to want to lean. Now in a week like next week where they go play the Dallas secondary, which uh, had a little bit better this week. We'll get to them later in the show. Um, but in, in a matchup like that, I think a guy like Deontay Johnson maybe is the play. And I think the recommendation I have going forward is just Claypool's in and, you know, Deontay is sort of the, the good matchup play, big play, boom bust guy. Um, and Juju is going to sort of be more consistent in some of these tougher matchups. Um, does that logic track to you, Nunes? What do you think? Yeah, I think that was just a better way of saying what I had, what I was thinking in my mind, but couldn't quite eloquently <laughs> state. So I appreciate that. Um, let's move on to Baltimore. Uh, kind of the first really strong showing for J.K. Dobbins. I thought mm-hmm. he looked fantastic in this game. Uh, reminded me a lot of Ray Rice with that 27 yeah. Ravens jersey. He looked sharp in this game. Uh, anything you see actionable here? Is this a thing where you'd try to sell on Dobbins because you've been kind of disappointed to this point, or, or are you just in a hold or a buy for him? Yeah, I'm in a hold or a buy for him. Um, I think the interesting part about this game is obviously no Mark Ingram, um, and this running game has actually kind of struggled Um early in the season. And I think people have been wanting more Dobbins, Dobbins, Dobbins. And I think Gus Edwards getting done what he was able to get done on first and second down and early in this game really set up what Dobbins did late where they were running a lot of these speed options with Lamar Jackson and pitching it to him. Um, And with his speed and balance on the edge, he was just consistently picking up these chunk plays down the stretch. Um, I like the combination they have going forward. Mark Ingram sort of looks over it to me. Um, and while Gus Edwards may not be some, you know, huge dynasty asset, I think, um, I'd almost prefer to just see him going forward and then Dobbins featured in that number two role. I tend to agree. Uh, one more note for me on this game is I'm kind of in the in the mode where I would start to shop Lamar Jackson after his next big game. Um, I just, I'm not super impressed by his development as a passer. I'm not sure when your guys' trade deadlines are. I know a lot of leagues are probably going to be coming up pretty soon, but if he comes out next week and lights the world on fire, I, I would really consider maybe trying to shop him now and getting a, a more traditional. Well, I, I like a guy that can run, but I, w- I would try to even target like a Herbert or Burrow for him, even in dynasty leagues. I, I think now would be a, a, a time to get in, in accept on that offer, um, and I think that's something I would do personally. Yeah, I think the interesting thing here is, does this sort of boost in the running game? I mean, they ran for 265 yards in this game between Edwards, Dobbins, and then what Lamar was able to do. Um, Does that get things rolling in the way that they were last year? I think it's important to point out Lamar had a very classic Lamar-esque scramble and sprint through the middle and pirouette at the end. Uh, Touchdown was called back on holding. Um, there are some big plays that are just being missed right now by this Baltimore team. Um, I'm with you, though, just in terms of the long-term prognosis. Uh, what he does and how he wins is not going to be something that is meant to last for a, a, a real long time if he can't develop um, as a passer, which he hasn't shown this year. Um, I think the only other thing here is Ronnie Stanley leaves uh, in this game. He's out for the season. I'm glad he got uh, paid one of the best young tackles in football. Uh, it was both gruesome and sad to see him go. Um, 
just something to watch uh, for with the Ravens as we move forward. Uh, Tennessee at Cincinnati is our next game. Uh, this was a game that I covered, um, and this was the Joe Burrow, uh, really, I think, true coming out party. I mean, he's been very, very good. He looks like he's going to break Andrew Luck's rookie passing record. Um, all of those things are great. Uh, but this is the game, the first game I would say that up until one of his very last throws of the game, which was an interception that that T. Higgins, uh, because of a defensive pass interference, bailed him out on. Um, but really his his best, cleanest game as a pro. Um, the first half, uh, his favorite receiver was T. Higgins. Um, both plays, he was able to buy a little extra time. And, and one of them was an, an incredible catch by T. Higgins on the sideline. Uh, the second one was really just good pocket awareness by Bur- Burrow buying time to, for his receiver to get open. Um, and then uh, in the first half, Higgins also drew a DPI in the end zone um, that set up the, the Pirine touchdown. So he looked fantastic in this game. Uh, second half, Burrow really got some of the other weapons involved, uh, both Auden Tate and Tyler Boyd, who caught a touchdown in this game. Uh, looked really good, made a nice, uh, the, the rare back shoulder over the middle catch. Um, he looks very good. I think he's uh, a mainstay in this offense going forward. And boy, T. Higgins keeps rocketing up my dynasty wide receivers. If we have time at the end of the program, I think maybe we should just have a discussion on rookies in general and maybe re-ranking the class. Um, but T. Higgins just keeps ascending week after week after week. There's both a floor and an upside with what he's doing right now. For sure, and I, I was, this class was hyped so much, and it's really lived up to the expectations. This is an all-time wide receiver class, and um, I've just been super blown away by some of the talents I've seen. And uh, speaking of wide receivers, let me ask you a question by a scorned former lover of yours, a guy that really broke your heart, Corey Davis. Uh, is this really bittersweet for you to see? He's kind of been really effective here uh, off and on for the Titans this year. He was the guy to get it done in this game. Uh, is this something that you see that's sustainable or not? Well, yeah, like you said, eight for 128 and touchdown on 10 targets in this game. And I, I brought him up in the preview show of this is another chance for him to get something done. Uh, and he does. And I, I didn't see a lot of this game live. When I rewatched it, I expected to see a lot of you know, sort of, you know, mediocre type stuff. No, Corey Davis was legitimately good in this game. Um, like you said, I was a, a huge fan of him coming out of uh, Western Michigan. And uh, while I'm happy to see it happen, I have heard a couple places like this is the Devontae Parker of this year. Um, and while that very well may be true in terms of the production you can get, um, I would still have sold Devontae Parker at his peak last year, and I think you would have been right in doing so based on what we've seen this year. Um, So is this real? Yeah, I think it absolutely is real because I think Tannehill's a really good player. Um, But is this real in the sense that he's now, you know, even with A.J. Brown or better than A.J. Brown? Um, No, I would be selling off of these consecutive 10-target games uh, with touchdowns. Yeah, I saw some people trying to make uh, comparisons between him and A.J. Brown just with their stat lines on Twitter today, trying to make it seem like they're the equally good, and I just kind of brushed that off with a laugh. But uh, that being said, I don't want to d- dismiss Corey Davis because I've been actually pretty impressed by him personally this year. Yeah. And like you, I was a big fan of him coming out of college, and 
Um, I just didn't have the misfortune of investing as highly in him in a rookie draft as you did. So I, I certainly have that thing where a player burns you so bad and it takes a long time to come back around on them if they're kind of a post-type sleeper. Um, I don't know how to avoid just emotion in your decision-making, but it, it's tough, man. Well, it's fair to note that I uh, I had Devontae Adams as a rookie and a sophomore in that league and let him go before his contract was up, and I had Tyler Lockett in a similar position, both uh, absolute studs now. So maybe I'm wrong on Corey Davis. It's not impossible. Um, but ultimately, no, I think I'm selling off of this big game. I think before we leave here real quick, Henry does his usual uh, 18 for 112 and a touchdown. He was just chunk play after chunk play. Um, the interesting thing here was was Deontay Foreman or Dante Foreman. How did we we had settled on this as a community, and then he disappeared, and now I forget exactly what we had called what his first name pronunciation is. I'd be guessing. I, I I've heard it so many different ways. I don't know what the actual correct Either answer way. is. Either way, he looked really good in the five touches he had here, thirty-seven yards. Um, it was a sad kind of thing to see two years ago. He was having a breakout start to the season, and I believe he popped his Achilles um, and then missed all last year. So just sort of a feel-good story before we leave this game. Um, why don't we move on to kind of another feel-good story, frankly. Uh, Rams at Dolphins. Tua gets his first win here. Um, uh, full disclosure, I saw very little of this game, so you're going to have to kind of hold my hand here. Uh, how did Tua look, and what else was notable from this game? Kind of underwhelming, but he didn't really need to do anything. Jared Goff did him a lot of favors by just being god-awful in this game. Jared Goff was just hideous. He had four turnovers, and it could have easily been eight. Like, he was just terrible. Like, I've... I've never been a huge Goff fan, but this game was probably the worst game of his career. Um, I, I think he was just brutal in this game. Um, uh, but Tua, you know, he, there were some mistakes, as you could expect for any quarterback playing their first game. But, I mean, 93 yards is going to scare people. Like, I, I don't think you need to panic, but I don't think it was one of those debuts where you're like, oh, yeah, Tua is going to be great. Like, it's just kind of a... I don't know what the right word, red shirt debut, if you will, is just he didn't need to do much. He didn't kill them. He didn't lose them the game. He fumbled, you know, on his first pass attempt, but it was immediate pressure. Didn't really have a chance. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he was fine. I, I, he he was a little hesitant. He, he kind of had a hard time giving up his first read and was a little too quick to check down. So there was definitely some flaws there, but I don't think we need to grade him too harshly yet. Um, on the, the Rams side of things, uh, other than Goff's terrible performance, I thought Daryl Henderson was looking fantastic in this game, but he left the game uh, early in the second quarter with, a, I believe, a thigh injury. I don't think it's anything serious, but that's why the rest of the carries um, went to Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers from that point on. Neither one of them stood out to me as the better one. I think they're both very similar talents. Um Akers and Brown, I think, are very serviceable running backs, but I think Daryl Henderson has the potential to be a pretty special running back in this league, and I'm very high on him right now. Hopefully uh, he gets more of a bell car role going forward because I think he deserves it. 
Uh, the other interesting note in this game is Cooper Cup targeted 21 times, which is pretty insane, cool. but only managed 11 catches for 110 yards. I know it's weird saying only <laughs> managing 11 catches, but that's the way the cookie crumbles here when Jared Goff's your quarterback. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I had no idea. 21 targets. That's uh, I'm sure that's not a record, but that's uh, the highest number I've seen in kind of charting games this year. Um so yeah, I was I was really curious to hear that. So I guess it's never good to hear about an injury, but we were watching this game together, and I know we were we were noting the fact that the carries by the end were basically split dead even across the three. So um, I'm with you. I want Daryl Henderson to be a thing so bad. So um, I guess when we see him come back, let's hope uh, he can take over that role. Did you have anything else on this game? Now let's let's keep it rolling. Uh, you had Raiders Browns. Uh, this was probably the game in my eyes that was most affected by Mother Nature's windy ways. So uh, was this kind of just a game where all the bad performance you just kind of chalk it up to a windy day, or was there anything you saw here that perturbed you? No, it was. You're exactly right. Not only was it extremely windy in this game, uh, there was two or three, you know, twenty minute intervals where. Uh, it was hailing, it was sneeting, it was sleeting, it was snowing, it was doing all of those uh, at the same time. Um, and basically these two offenses basically packed it in, and especially the Raiders in the second half packed it in and just became a run team. Uh, Josh Jacobs gets 31 carries here, um, 128 yards, doesn't really make anything big happen until the very last drive of the game. Um, we talked about him a little bit yesterday, kind of while we were watching these games together, and, and he seems a little bit more ordinary than people make him out to be. Um, I, I think he's an above-average back in the NFL, but I feel like he's being treated like a potential superstar, and I just I don't quite see it that way. I think if I could sell, if I'm not contending right now, I'm probably looking to um, maybe move that piece down the line a little bit. Um on the other, the, the Raiders, uh, aside from that, Henry Ruggs gets nothing done here, but uh, he had a couple chances. He had a touchdown that um, I think both me and you would agree he got his foot in. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and so uh, that was disappointing that they didn't overrule that play, and they did overrule Landry's, and they did overrule Renfro's later. So kind of confused, some of the confusing overrules in this game. Um, but – you know, nevertheless, doesn't get his foot down. And then Carr uh, missed him very, very badly on a deep throw over the middle of the field that could have resulted in a really long play. Um, uh, Carr, I think you can chalk this up to they basically stopped letting him throw and there was really not anything uh, available as Gronk gets into the end zone. Uh, oh, they stole it from him. He's not going to get to spike it. Boo. Um, <laughs> anywho, continuing on with the, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, uh, Waller here gets a little bit done, uh, but again, just such bad conditions. I don't think it's anything to worry about there. Um, switching it over to the Cleveland side, um, Kareem Hunt gets his normal workload, isn't really any able to break anything big, um, drops what could have been a touchdown potentially on one of their last drives. Um, but all in all, just sort of a game that, uh, you know, won't show well for him, but wasn't really his fault. Baker here missed a couple times down the field, and really Landry sort of burned him with three drops in this game. Uh, one that could have picked up a first down early in the game. Uh, another that I just referenced on what would have been a touchdown. 
Um, you know, he started celebrating and throwing up the 13, uh, and then it gets overturned. Um, so, yeah, not a great day here for Landry. He, he, he catches four balls for 52 yards, but on 11 targets. Um, this offense needs to be better. David Joku really could have had a bigger game. Uh, he had a big drop on a play where he could have ran for a while, and, and actually on the very first play of the game, Baker missed him wide open on a play over the middle. That could have been a big gain. Um, just kind of a disappointing game, but in terms of, uh, actionable fantasy advice, I think you just sort of hold with all these assets and, uh, I think we can kind of move on. It was just sort of a miserable day in Cleveland. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, let's, let's keep it going to another kind of a miserable game as far as fantasy goes for, for your rookie running back class, uh, two very disappointing outings for Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. Uh, Swift is, you know, you wanted to see a bigger game for him, but this was a tough matchup. I think his uh, dud is a little bit more forgivable. I know Frank Reich and Philip Rivers kind of hinted that Jonathan Taylor is dealing with an ankle injury, but the the telling quote to me is uh, Frank Reich claimed he didn't know about it till after the game. So I don't know if that was Jonathan Taylor making excuses for himself, but he just hasn't looked good to me really much at all this year. And I'm concerned yeah. um, to be let's, honest. Let's stop there real quick. So are you, are you selling? What, what are you doing with Jonathan Taylor right now? I'd hate to sell. Cause you probably spent the second, third pick in the rookie draft on mm-hmm. him, or you traded a lot to get up to that pick. Cause you liked him a lot. I think you just got to hold and hope that the floor doesn't completely drop out. I think he showed he was too talented at Wisconsin to be that big of a bust. It's hard to see a running back be a major, major bust like that. I think the pedigree was too strong, but it was also a pretty gravy situation in Wisconsin for him. You're running behind typically an offensive line that's going to be one of the best offensive lines in the country but that was kind of the thing we liked about taylor too is we thought this colts offensive line was going to open up some gaping holes for him here too and they they kind of were for wilkins in this game but taylor just likes to run right into his guards butt. it seems like (laughs) he's missed so many holes this year and it's just i don't know if it's a vision problem or what or if he's just not taking the time being patient enough to let his blocking set up he's he knows he's supposed to go to a certain area so he just runs there rather than um kind of doing the Le'Veon bell thing where you just kind of let it develop and then go um I'm not sure what he needs to do to fix things, but he didn't look like he was favoring his ankle when he was running. He just didn't look very good to me is kind of the simplest way to explain it. Um, I will, my note when I was about a quarter of the way through this game was I can't tell the difference between Jordan Wilkins and Jonathan Taylor without looking at their number, but then I could tell the difference because Wilkins was better. So pretty (laughs) damning game for Taylor. I'm very discouraged. I wouldn't even go and try and buy low. I I just don't think you can sell either. No, you're you're right. You can't sell. Uh, I think maybe the only buy would be is if you're already basically out of it because you're right. I have them in a few redraft leagues. I'm sitting him down until he shows me something. At this point, he's got to show something, I think, um, to go back into lineups if you can afford to not have him. Um, I certainly don't think Jordan Wilkins is a special talent, and that's why this is all the more scary. Um, why don't you switch it over to the Lions side here? Galladay leaves this game. Is there really anything else notable? I know Hawkinson got kind of an uptick in volume after that. 
Yeah, the volume went to Hawkinson, but people are going to see Marvin Hall's box score and think that he's the Galladay handcuff or replacement just because um, he had that 73-yard grab. And that was a beautiful throw by Stafford, but it was kind of blown coverage. There really wasn't anything that any other receiver couldn't have done on that play. So I'm not picking up Hall. I do like Hawkinson better if Galladay's going to be out. It is noteworthy that they worked out uh, Muhammad Sanu today. So obviously some concern over Galladay. Um not being available for at least a week or two. Uh, it sounds like he's pretty doubtful for next week already. So hopefully he doesn't miss significant time because I, I know I'm a huge Galladay fan and I believe you are as well. So that would be uh, make this offense a heck of a lot more boring to watch the rest of the year. If nothing else, we know Detroit's going to be bad, but they're at least interesting for fantasy with Galladay and, and Swift and all and Hawkinson. But if they lose uh, that element and become one dimensional, it's going to be a tough team to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can we kick it over to Vikings Packers, or do you have anything else on this game? Yeah, let's talk about uh, probably the most surprising result of the week. Yeah. Uh, our, our good friend Perry's not going to like to relive this game, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, the Packers have a problem here, and it, it's the run defense. The The Niners gashed them twice last year in the in the NFC Championship game. They were exposed for having a – you know, a pretty poor run defense. And it seems like a lot of teams in this league want to try to um, get into a, a duel with Rodgers where the quarterbacks want to just go back and forth and throw. But the Vikings showed that you just run the ball, run, run, run. And Dalvin Cook had an amazing game, and he's an extremely talented player. But for me, this is a bigger problem for Green Bay than it is like a credit to Dalvin or the Vikings. Um, the Packers you know, I, need to figure out this run defense pretty I, quick. Yeah, I totally agree with you on the Packers side of things. Uh, one thing I wanted to discuss is is Alex Madison. Um, he was kind of a trendy buy, trendy name in, in Dynasty. Um, had some serviceable weeks last last year as the Robin to uh, Cook's Batman. They're not using him, and it's it seems more obvious to me when you see the two switched out how much better Cook is than Madison. Does Madison look worse to you or does Cook look better to you? Probably Cook looks better, but also I think it takes a running back needs a certain amount of carries to kind of get into a rhythm. It's it's a good idea on paper to be constantly rotating guys back and forth, but I think it's kind of like any other position in sports where you can't just come in cold and be effective right away. I think you need to to get to feel a few hits and see a few plays develop before you can really go out there and, and make an impact. So I think his usage being down makes him look worse, no, but I do think Dalvin's looking amazing. So I don't want to discredit him. That's a really good point. And, and frankly, with how well Dalvin played and is playing right now, uh, it's hard to take him off the field. I'm just wondering if maybe there's a buy right now. I mean, he, in terms of Madison, that is, I'm sorry, not in terms of cook. He still, to me, is one of the more valuable handcuffs. And I think when when you can point back to Cook missed the game and he totally let you down, and now Cook's back and he has no viability, um, I think this is kind of a good time. Because I don't necessarily believe that Alex Madison is bad, but he sh- he's showing as bad in games when I watch him. Um, and I just, I guess I don't really know how to explain it. And I'm sort of wondering... I mean, could you go pay a third right now and get Alex Madison, regardless of if you have Cook? Um, and with him being next man up, I mean, I just I think that's a move I'd go make in a few spots if I could. 
if the Madison owner is not the cook owner, I think right. he trades him for a third. But if I own cook and Madison, I feel like I need to keep that handcuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. This would be targeting teams that don't have cook. Absolutely. Um, just a thought. Why don't we uh, switch it over to the Packers side? Um, I don't think there's really anything super actionable. Devonte Adams absolutely dog walked Jeff Gladney a couple times. Um, and then somehow got matched up on, uh, I forget what Metellus's first name is, but one of our like late round safeties in the draft. Because well, he, we were he shares so your name. Oh, it's Joshua, isn't it? Okay. All right. Fair enough. Either way, uh, Adam scores three touchdowns here. He's one of the two or three best wide receivers in dynasty. Um, Jamal Williams gets something done largely because he catches six passes here. Um, so that helped. He kind of gets sniped at the goal line again this week. Um, AJ Dillon looked good in his limited touches, but it's important to note he has COVID. I'm sure you already know that by now. Um, but something to watch out for because they play on Thursday night. And, uh, I'm not exactly sure how the protocol goes for players who have closely been in contact with AJ Dillon, if they can even play in this game. So that game seems like, uh, it may be in doubt, but I guess I don't know a lot here. Um, for the sake of time, uh, why don't we maybe just lump these two next two games in our list together, um, and just see if either of us have a note or two we want to talk about on either sure. of them. We got Chiefs, Jets, and uh, Pat's Bills. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on either of them. For me, I guess the most interesting thing in either of these games that was uh, kind of Buffalo getting their running game going. I thought Zach Moss looked good in this game, and Singletary was pretty much equally efficient, just uh, lacking the two touchdowns that went to Zach Moss. And I don't think there's a big separation in talent there, but I think Moss is going to be the guy that gets paid more in the end zone, so he's the guy I prefer in Dynasty. And I think he might be a, a buy right now. Well, and I so the comp I've always had for Zach Moss is, is Mark Ingram. Good Mark Ingram, not the Mark Ingram we've seen most recently. Um, and I think, to your point on him versus Singletary, it wasn't until Moss had sort of beaten up this New England defense that Singletary started bursting out. And so maybe it can be sort of a poor man's Kamara and Ingram sort of dynamic that they have going going forward. But I do think Zach Moss took the, took the lead step here. Um, in terms of Jets, and I don't really have anything on the Patriots, I thought Cam bounced back a little bit. Damian Harris, uh, I think, is interesting um, as we go forward. He's he's had a couple, strung a couple good weeks here in a row. Um, in terms of Jets and Chiefs, uh, the the Chiefs side of things, I think Miko Hardman is starting to become a real thing. Um, the the touchdown he scored was nothing special. He just catches a Jets screen and and takes off. Um, but there was some legitimate wide receiver comeback routes here, some physical catches over the middle. Um, he looks like a real thing to me, and I, I just I don't know why they would give Sammy Watkins his spot back when he comes back. Um, maybe a guy to go by right now and Miko Hardman. Um, and then lastly, before we completely move off these matchups, uh, Denzel Mims played every snap for the Jets. Uh, he had two catches for 42 yards on the first two drives of the game. Um, and they proceeded then after that to give Jeff Smith and Braxton Berrios, I think, 19 targets between the two of them. Um, Mims never got hurt in this game. Uh, he just wasn't flat out targeted. And I, I don't know why, because it's not like Jeff Smith and, and Braxton Berrios are generating a bunch of separation. 
in fact, quite the opposite. So Mims looked good to me. He had a really nice back shoulder catch, a second uh, back shoulder chance that he couldn't cut, quite come up with. Um, but he's a good player. I think it's just a matter of time before Darnold uh, gains some trust in him. Right on. And uh, why don't we get on to the game that we were uh, maybe most looking forward to from a, a fantasy perspective? We got 49ers and uh, Seahawks. Uh, let's start with the bad news. George Kittle, eight weeks. Uh, I'm sure you've heard this by now, broken foot. Pretty devastating uh, for Kittle owners. Uh, really elevates Kelsey into a real difference maker. If you mm-hmm. have Kelsey on your team, that's such a huge advantage now over the, the next best tight end out there. Um, he's We like Mark Andrews, but he's just not consistent producer. Um, pretty end zone dependent at this point. So yeah, Kittle going down is bad news for football, bad news for football fans. Hate to see it. Uh, that being said, uh, Jimmy G gets benched in this game as well. Um, he was terrible. Nick Mullins got some some stuff done here in garbage time. Do you think Nick Mullins is decent, or was it just a soft defense uh, playing more prevent? You know, Nick Mullins did this the last time he came in. Um, he looked really decisive here. I'm not going to say it was a soft defense. I think maybe Seattle took their foot off the, the gas a little bit, but – at a certain point, this game got close. Um, and, you know, some of this stuff, it felt, I mean, it was certainly in comeback mode, but it wasn't all for naught. This game kind of got close. Mullins in almost a, just a little over a quarter gets 238 yards passing. Um, I want to see him do it as a starter. Uh, I wasn't worried the last time he had to make a spot start because he did exactly this. He came in and looked really, really good. Um, and then he came out and looked just brutal in the next start. They play on Thursday night football. It seems like a really tough turnaround. I'd probably be avoiding for a week. Um, but if he can start stringing some starts together, I think there's enough talent there where you don't have to massively downgrade all of your San Francisco playmakers. Um, and when I say San Francisco playmakers, I want to specifically talk about one in this game. Um, and that's Brandon Ayuk. Another uh, incorrect narrative that's being spun out there is that um, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are the same player. And I know I've talked about this in recent episodes, but this is such an example of a game again, where all you, all you have to do is watch the touchdown pass that he had the, the slant and reverse pivot out, uh, fade route that he runs Debo Samuel in a year and change has not done anything in that regard route running. Um, in this game, they never gave him an end around. They never gave him a jet jet sweep. Uh, they faked it to him twice uh, or in a couple situations, but he's playing pure wide receiver for him, and I was so impressed uh, re-watching this. He has a 33-yard post route over the middle uh, where he makes a leaping grab. Um, there's a play right around the goal line where he freezes two defenders with a hesitation move and almost gets into the end zone for what would have been at the time his first touchdown, but... Um, would have made two on the day. Um, I was so thoroughly impressed with Brandon Ayuk. And um, make sure you remember this, because if this quarterback situation and if this team goes massively sideways, Ayuk might go with them. But don't forget what you saw in these first couple weeks. And if it goes that way, I'd be targeting him very aggressively because I think he's a superstar in weight. 
I completely agree with everything you just said. Ayuk is special. I am going to try to acquire him in as many leagues as possible. Um, on the Seattle side, DJ Dallas gets paid in the end zone twice, but to me, mm-hmm. he looked pretty raw. Um, wasn't super efficient in this game. I was glad to see him get the end zone, get into the end zone twice. Uh, if you had to start him in desperation, kudos to you. But I don't think this is something like he's not going to continue to get reps when, when the guys get healthy. So kind of just a flash in the pan thing. I don't really think there's anything actionable for fantasy or not spending, uh, you know, a pick to acquire him or you can't even really roster him unless your league's pretty deep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and DK Metcalf has an absolute field day here. Uh, he was Russell's favorite target right from the get go. Um, and I think you've all seen at that at this point the 46-yard crossing route where he circumnavigates across the whole field, and um, he's just bigger and faster and stronger than anybody else he goes up against. Uh, pretty much at every level of the defense, he was spectacular in this game. He's trending towards wide receiver one in dynasty, and I'm not that, there yet. Well, I I put in my notes that he has officially achieved that status for me personally. Okay. Okay, and see, I'm still Tyreek Hill for sure. Which is very fair. And I'm really close on Hopkins and Adams. Um, And, you know, I feel like I kind of had that pegged a couple weeks out when we had this discussion the last time. Um, Anybody who says he's wide receiver one in Dynasty, God bless you, I I can't argue with you. Um, I want to see just a tiny bit more, not necessarily from him, but I would sort of need those other guys to start slipping a little bit before I elevate him above um sort of what they have going um Lockett doesn't get a lot done here but he just had the huge week you don't care keep starting him uh I don't think there's anything else left in this game uh, do you do you have anything you wanted to touch on before we head to Saints Bears well I could pull a Mark Schlereth and spend about a couple of minutes talking about how inside runs are the same thing as bologna sandwiches or whatever the hell it was he was saying. <laughs> what was that? I don't that understand really how Mark Schlereth is on this game. Like Fox's cruise behind uh Buck, say what you will about him, but he's at least, you know, a, a true professional and good at his job. Whether you like him or not, that's irrelevant. Buck and Aikman's a decent crew, but everything else on Fox is just garbage. CBS is so much better announced teams. I'm so sick of the Fox broadcast teams. How is yeah. Schlereth on this game? It's insane. Real quick, I forget what broadcast uh, Harlan did, Kevin Harlan, that is. Uh, to, uh, but I rewatched it, and he mentioned that he's going to have the Vikings-Lions uh, game next week. Uh, I'm, I'm such a huge Kevin Harlan fan. I think he's extremely underrated. Super so good. I- yeah, I got really excited about that. So, uh, and I'm with you. CBS, uh, it seems like, has all the, the better teams. Uh, moving forward, so we got Saints at Bears. Uh, this was an overtime thriller, um, but I don't think there's a ton of actionable dynasty stuff here. Um, I think where I'd like to start is Drew Brees. I think at the very least we can uh, sort of quell the fire of, of is he, you know, totally cooked. Um, there was some bad throws in this game. In fact, there was a, a play he had Kamara on a wheel route, um, and the ball went up with kind of a wobble to it, and there was so much wind at Soldier Field that it basically blew it backwards in the wrong direction. Um, you know, he missed one one throw over the middle where he just short-armed it. But all in all, I, Drew Brees looks like he's going to be okay at least for the rest of this year. Do you agree? 
Yeah, I agree. Um, he's at times seems to be checked down Charlie, but uh, I think there was a point in this game where 16 pass attempts, only like three of them went to the wide receivers, but seemed to get a little better as the game went on. Drew Brees, I think he, I think we know what he is at this point. I'm not as worried as I was earlier in the year. I think we were all kind of saying, is this it for Drew? But I think he'll be fine. Um, yeah, and on the Chicago side of things, um, I, I'm becoming a real believer in uh, Mooney. Um, I think yep. he's legit, and I think he's a buy because teams that have him are going to be, a, a, you know, bummed that they got a good player, but they're stuck with Nick Foles. I think this is a real possibility the Bears go out and try to find a new quarterback. I'm not sure the means or who that would be, but I think Green Day's brighter days are ahead for this offense. It, it couldn't get worse, and he's producing in a pretty bad offense already. So Mooney's a buy for me. Yeah, he is legit fast. Uh, he got hit for a 50-yard uh, like long bomb from Foles, one of his better throws of the day. Um, and actually, similar to the breeze throw I mentioned, uh, Mooney got wide open one other time in this game down the field. And, and the wind, I'm not even going to put it on Foles. The wind took this ball 10 yards in the wrong direction. Um, so potentially could have been a better day if not for some really tough elements. Um, David Montgomery looks pedestrian again, but uh, does get uh, 23 touches is what I got down here almost or a little over a hundred yards. So I think there's still he continues to present sell opportunities to people. Um, if you don't take it, I don't know, you know, what to tell you at this point. Um, and Allen Robinson, um, looked awesome in this game, sort of did a disappearing act after an unbelievably good post corner route for his first touchdown or for, for his only touchdown, I should say. Um, but late in this game was kind of the favorite target of Foles as they tried to, um, come back and uh, he's such a good player and he may never get the credit he he, he truly deserves um, because we're we're nearing the end of his prime and it doesn't appear to be getting any better for him uh, Chargers at Broncos another really strong showing here from Justin Herbert is that the side you want to start on or do you, do you want to talk Broncos first um, we can start with Herbert uh, and really good fantasy day but I think he looked a little shaky in this game um he was kind of bulletproof for the last few weeks where he kind of showed some warts in this game a few turnovers that i thought were just kind of bad decisions by him but the the arm talents there i I don't think we need to worry when we see justin herbert throw a few interceptions because i he's he's made some really phenomenal throws uh a great throw to Mike Williams in the back corner of the end zone that he also made a really great catch on yeah. one-handed. A beautiful play. Um, Mike Williams actually had a really good game here. He had another near touchdown where he made a crazy sideline over the shoulder grab and reached out for the pylon but just couldn't quite stretch far enough. So he impressed me in this game. Uh, Keenan Allen's certainly uh, – Justin Herbert's favorite target. He targets him all the time, and I think it's very wise of him because Keenan Allen's one of the best route runners in the NFL for five years now going. He's got some really cool moves. Talking about dog walking, guys, he he's so good <laughs> at selling a, a route where it, it looks like he's just dogging it, and then all of a sudden he just waits for the right opportunity to to find the soft spot and get open. He's he's really showing running a clinic out there for route running expertise. So kind of a surprise uh, – guy in the backfield in this game, Troy Main Pope got a lot of carries, yeah. 10 carries, and actually looked pretty good, ran for 67 yards. I had to do a little bit of research on him because I had no idea who the hell he was. He's 
been about been on just about every roster in the NFL before this year for a cup of coffee. Um, but yeah, he looked good. He's out of Jacksonville State. Um, so I don't know. That's interesting, I guess. Never did, seen them play football. Did Kelly do something wrong here? Or is, you know, I mean, I, the numbers don't look particularly good. Did he fumble? I know he's had issues with that, but it seemed odd that he just got benched in this game, essentially. Well, I'm not even sure he got benched because he was getting carries in the fourth quarter. Okay. Um, it was just kind of a three-man rotation, and he was the worst of the three. Um, Kelly hasn't impressed me this year at all, but he did have one nice run in this – or one nice uh, run after catch in this game. But Or never mind, it was a run, um, looking at the box score. But, yeah, I don't know. I just – I think he's very ordinary. Troy Main Pope is – I don't know, probably nothing, but somewhat interesting. Uh, I don't know um, if this is going to be a three-man committee or not, but I think Jackson's still the guy you want to own right now. Uh, On the Denver side of things, we can stay with running backs. Um, I don't know how many times I need to say it, maybe until John Elway subscribes to our podcast, but (laughs) Melvin Gordon sucks and Phillip Lindsay's good. I don't see how they don't see that. I don't see how anyone can see that at this point. Phillips Lindsay, if you want to see a really sweet play and if you want to see why I feel so strongly about him, watch his touchdown run. Just phenomenal vision to slide over to the left on that cutback where he just kind of waits for a blocker to get in the way of the guy that should have tackled him for a three-yard gain. Gets kind of just slides through a tiny hole that he created with his vision and then breaks another tackle and houses it. Just a phenomenal run. And he had another really great run, kind of similar to that, that he didn't house later in the game. I think he's a special running back and just deserves bell cow work. Yeah, no, um, that was a that was a special run. I caught that on, on red zone. For him to see that even. I mean, forget about the execution of it. For him to see that the way he did was was utterly, you know, it sort of dropped your jaw. Um, mm-hmm. And and I'm with you on on if you can get anything from Melvin Gordon, get out now because um, this can't keep. I, I think they feel pot committed based on the contract, but as we move forward in the season, this is Philip Lindsay's job. It's got to be. I mean, I don't see if you're a Melvin Gordon truther out there listening to this podcast, I would love to hear from you and just hear why. I know there are a lot of people that like him. Uh, Even if you looked at their ownerships right now on Yahoo or ESPN, Mm -hmm. I didn't look at it, but I'm sure Melvin Gordon's still higher owned. Probably, Um, yeah. I just... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I I don't see it at all. Um, Jerry Judy um, was getting targeted a lot more in this game. Ten targets, only four grabs for 73. I thought he looked better in this game. There were a couple that were borderline catchable, but um, you can't call them drops, at least in my eyes. I don't know how the stats were recorded, but um, Drew Locke, I kind of savaged him last week. Started slow again in this game. I was getting ready to to call for a new quarterback there, but uh, he finished this game really strong and brought him to a comeback victory with a last second touchdown throw to KJ Hamler. Glad to see him get in the end zone. Um, another funny announcer thing. They had the the hardest time pronouncing oh Albert gosh. O's name. It was embarrassing. It was um, I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to even try to replicate what they said, but they, they said it like seven times trying to get it right. And all incorrectly. Yeah, no, it was it was really really bad, and you'd think you'd. I mean, they have access to these players. Ask the poor guy how to pronounce his name and write it right. down. Yeah, it was yeah. it was hard to listen to him keep going, and eventually the final the announcer just finally, well, let's, let's just go with Albert L. 
Eric, if you don't know how to pronounce it, just go with that. Alberto. Aquabunum. Aquabunum, yeah. But uh, why don't we move on to just a disaster of a football game? Oh. I didn't even bother watching it because, you know, 10 hours of football a day can be a little long sometimes. And I wanted to spare myself Cowboys Eagles. I'm glad I did. Um, you watched it for the show, though, because you're a gentleman and a scholar. And I appreciate that. So why don't you uh, talk about anything worth talking about in this game? Well, I think let's start on the Dallas side because that's the easier side to get through. Um, nobody looked good. Nobody looked bad. They ran an offense from 1970, basically. Um, I think the notable thing here was in that 1970s offense led by Ben DiNucci, um, they basically didn't play CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. They treated Michael Gallup this week like the number one wide receiver. Um, I didn't write the target total down, but I bet he was two to one uh, to Cooper and Lamb's comp- combined targets. Um, it was a little bit puzzling to see. You would think, you know, Ben DiNucci is not a very good player. You would think you'd want him out there with all his best weapons. But uh, CeeDee Lamb was out for big sections of this game. So was Amari Cooper. They favored Gallup and Noah Brown. And I don't quite get what Mike McCarthy and that coaching staff is doing. Um, I get it. He's a rookie quarterback from James Madison. But this was a uh, pathetic effort uh, for a game plan and just, the product on the field was so bad. This was a depressing game to watch. Uh, Zeke still looks fine. He looks like the running back he is, but he's, you know, stuck with this offense for this year, too. Uh, let's hope Andy Dalton comes back next week. Uh, but if he doesn't, I don't know how you can start any Dallas, uh, you know, running back or receiver and feel good about it. Um, On to the Eagles side, Jalen Rager comes back, um, looks healthy, uh, makes a couple catches, gets a touchdown. Um, it was good to see. I think the buy low window is closing, but I think that there's maybe still a slight buy window um, at cost. He's a player that I like a lot. Whether or not they should have taken Jefferson is a different story. Um, I do like Ragger a lot, and it was good to see him here. Uh, Travis Fulgham's the real deal. I think we've talked about that in a lot of shows, so I don't. maybe we don't need to spend a lot of time on it. Um, but I've liked everything I've seen from Travis Fulgham, and I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, I think he's a guy that you can still attack uh, in terms of a buy. Somebody got him basically for free and might be just willing to take a profit here. Um, and while I can't necessarily argue against that, I think Fulgham's uh, an NFL caliber player, and he looked excellent again here. Um, Boston Scott does a nice job in the fill-in role, um, but Carson Wentz still looks, I don't know, disconnected is maybe the, the right word for it. Um, just stuck on the same target for the whole play, um, in, inaccurate throws, running a little bit more than I think he should. Um, he did not have a good performance here, despite the fact he does get a couple touchdowns to to salvage your fantasy day if you started him in a, in a plus, plus matchup here against the Cowboys. Um, this was an utter train wreck of a game. I don't have a heck of a lot else on it other than um, – uh, Dallas Goddard. It was good to see him come back. And uh, despite the the minimal stat line, one catch for 15 yards, um, happy to see him start and leave this game healthy and play a full complement of snaps. For sure. And a lot of people were asking the question, do I start him this week when kind of the surprise active, activization, uh, we weren't even 
Uh, we, I think, dismissed him even being a part of this game when we previewed it. But I had a few people ask me if you would start him this week, and I said yes. But uh, I apologize for that advice. But, yeah, I think when you got a guy coming off a multi-week injury, it, it might be best just to sit him if you can afford to for a week, I guess, would be the lesson learned. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, and uh, with that, you get a chance to sit him. He's on bye uh, going into next week. Um and we are on by until Thursday, uh, where we'll have a, a, a preview show for you. Real quick, before we do get out of here, um, I just kind of wanted, we've had so many good rookie performances at wide receiver this year. I just kind of wanted to have a quick just sort of discussion on the on the rookie class of wide receivers. Um, obviously, it was quite ballyhooed coming into the year, um, but I think it's almost exceeding expectations um, and, you know, dare I say it, it feels a little bit 2014-ish. Um, where, first off, so I, I put together a list of 10 rookie wide receivers. Um, Judy moved the most down for me, um, and T. Higgins moved all the way up to, to three on the list. Is How overreactionary am I being, and what is your thought process in terms of what we've seen and how much that should change our our evaluations, you know, preseason? I think if this were most other years, moving guys this rapidly up and down would seem more overreactionary than it it does this year, because... The the guy that went like wide receiver eight in this year's rookie class has an extreme amount of talent. Like there's probably 10 guys that would have been the number one wide receiver a lot of years. So I think the fact that this list is very fluid is uh, totally understandable to me. And, and uh, I agree with dropping Judy down, even though I still love him as a future asset. You, you, if, I, if someone offered me Justin Jefferson for Jerry Judy right now in a dynasty so, league, I'm smashing except a T yeah. Higgins for Judy. I'm going to have to think long and hard about it, but I might take that deal. Um, Claypool, I accept, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to move him down when you just think about it from a one for one trade proposition. I think you would make those trades right now. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And actually uh, on that line of thinking, I got a, um, a trade offer, which, you know, I, I declined for two reasons. One, because I have switched them in the rankings, um, but also just because it felt like a lateral one for one, same position move. Um, in one of my leagues this week, I got offered CD lamb for, to trade away Justin Jefferson. Um, and I, I did decline it. I, I feel like the team, well, I felt like the team had a chance and then we lost George Kittle this week. So, uh, we'll have to see moving forward, but, um, yeah, this, this, this rookie class at wide receiver feels like um, it's sort of a, a, a league-changing um, class, in my opinion. I mean, LaVisca Chenault is my ninth-ranked receiver right now in this class. Um, I don't know. It, it's just impressive to see, and I, I really think all of these guys are targets. I don't think any of these guys are superficially inflated up boards for some reason. Um they're expensive right now, but if I could go get any of these guys, I'd be, I'd be uh, happy to do so. Absolutely, I, I'm trying to buy as many of them in as many leagues as possible. Um, IU, go get him. Go get I, even, yeah. Go get CD Lamb right now, man. CD Lamb's yeah. gonna be amazing in the future. Yeah. No one's been earning more money hurt than Dak Prescott. They're gonna have a quarterback next year. I'm not worried about that. CD Lamb's gonna be right back near the top of this list. Uh, 
nine months from now. So go out and get these guys. Buy Judy. Buy them all. Yeah, go talk. Like you said, you've picked the names. Um, maybe aside from Henry Ruggs, I think you could go uh, make some offers on this week. But as they sort of fluctuate in value week to week, because that's what rookie wide receivers do. And if um, there's, you know, quick trigger owners in your league, um, go and be making offers for these guys because the talent of this class is showing out week in, week out. Um, and it's just exciting to see as a dynasty owner. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, do you have anything you wanted to add? Otherwise, uh, I'm at uh, Dynasty Oasis on Twitter. Well, if you still want to do this MVP thing oh, every yeah. Monday, uh, I think it's still Russ. I don't, I don't know if you yeah, have any I mean, change if, of opinion. If Rodgers was winning a little bit more, I think he's playing just about as well. Uh, frankly, relative to what he has to work with, he might be playing better. Um, but they're not, they're not winning games right now, so. Yeah, give me Russ, and it's pretty easy. On uh, Thursday's episode, uh, we're gonna do our uh, previews as usual, and then I think we're gonna were we doing sell candidates this sell week? Candidates. Or, okay, yep. so we're gonna give you five names each that we would be selling right now. Sell, well, sell, and, sell. And I think the the add on to that was just sort of we're gonna take sort of a seller's mindset in terms of um, just sort of some bigger picture, just how to go about doing it. Um, sure. So if, 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 you know, you're in a sell mode and one of your, you know, names doesn't come up on, on, you know, one of our lists, um, you kind of know what to do. So it'll be some general, just I'm out of it. I need to sell and I need to try to rebuild. What am I doing type of talk as well? Just on a bigger sort of evergreen note. Yeah. Let's have a bit of a meta conversation yep. when, what to look for, what signs you need to, to sell, uh, what you should be looking for when you are selling, um, those kinds of things. So that should be informative to you if you're a, uh, you know, a beginner in dynasty formats. We we can hopefully give you some advice there. Um, other than that, uh, we'll do our game draft and uh, all the old standard bits that we do. Our toughest lineup decision. So it should be a fun show. Looking forward to it. This was a fun show. Yeah. Uh, you already gave your Twitter handle. I'm at nasty newts on Twitter. Please interact with us. And while you're doing so, uh, find us uh, on all the podcast formats rate review us tell your friends tell your family help us grow we would really appreciate it absolutely well said see you on friday morning and happy birthday to nelly nelly okay i got nothing on that one (laughs) (laughs) that's all right